On this cold morning of December 2021, the Meiji Jingu Shrine is quieter than usual. Japan is close to tourists, and the lack of them brings a certain loneliness to the House of the Gods. The Japanese visitors are not enough to fill the big shrine's courtyard. This morning, I have the feeling that the Shinto deities are watching me from the tall wooden columns. A priest dressed in white and purple walks ahead of me, and the more I enter this restricted area in the shrine, the heavier the silence becomes. Shinto shrines are often made of wooden stone. Maybe it absorbs the sounds. As I step inside, behind me, visitors clap their hands to draw the attention of the gods to their prayers. Their coins hit the wooden offering box. I don't see it, but I know it's coming. Soon, a priest will make the huge drum thunder right behind me. I prepare myself for it. I don't want to jump like a beginner. Once the taiko is finally silent, I bow, and echoing people behind me, I clap my hands twice. I join them in front of my face, and I close my eyes. I feel watched. I don't know if it is the curious looks of the Japanese people, who have never seen a foreigner doing an official Shinto ceremony, or if the gods of the shrines are listening between two sips of sake. Anyway, I have to focus, because today I want to thank the Empress Shoken. She is one of the gods enshrined here, wife of the Emperor Meiji, and her own priests sometimes forget to mention her in favor of her famous husband. I thank her and I say goodbye after six years in a company that works under her watchful gaze. I have been an event manager for the Meiji Jingu Shrine, and today I'm leaving, closing one very important chapter for me. It's the perfect opportunity to talk about Shinto, this unknown Japanese religion that changed my life by offering me my first permanent job. Shinto is an aboriginal religion, old of hundreds of centuries. It worships millions of deities, and among them, powerful goddesses, village chiefs, warriors hungry for wars, shamans who are consulted every day for all kinds of troubles. Let me tell you about Amaterasu the sun goddess who started the imperial family, or the princess Akaru who stole a boat to escape, the queen Jingu who abdicated her throne to give it to her daughter, or this unknown woman whose menstruations were celebrated. Their legends fascinate me, and are showcasing an aboriginal region which, once upon a time, may have been the beginnings of a matriarchal society. Tokyo Feminist, the podcast in French and in English, gathering feminist voices in Japan to bring women into the spotlight. Women and everyone else, when their voices can't reach from the other side of the planet. Episode 2. Feminist in Tokyo, Goddesses and Warriors. To understand Shinto is to understand Japan at least a part of it. You don't need to be a believer or a theologist to learn about this aboriginal and ancestral religion. My own studies are coming from an agnostic mindset. In Japan, there is an uncommon syncretism between two religions opposed in their practices and beliefs, Shintoism and Japanese Buddhism. The latter was brought by Korea a few centuries at the beginning of her calendar, and Buddhism joined the religion already here, Shinto. Buddhist temples and Shinto shrines can be found side by side quite often. In the countryside, 
If the priest has to go away for a while, the monk of the neighbor temple might open the doors of the shrine to help. Nowadays, many elements are shared between the two religions, like incense, protective amulets called mamori, or goshuinsho, the small notebooks in which traditional calligraphies and seals are collected. In A Small History of Religions, Richard Holloway talks a bit about Shinto and gives the best explanation I have heard from a non-Japanese person to date. He explains that Shinto differs from other religions because Japanese people do not see it as an entity separated from them, like a concept that hovers over their heads. Japanese people are Shinto. They belong to it, just as Shinto belongs to them, every day, everywhere. Richard Holloway says, It's not something they believe, it's just the way they are. Japanese people do not believe in Shinto the way my grandma believes in Christianism, because Shinto is reality, as real as the river that flows, or the mountain that stands before their eyes. There is no need for faith with something that exists. It is often said that Japanese people practice both Buddhism and Shinto at the same time, celebrating their weddings and newborns in a shrine, and holding funerals in a temple. Yet the two religions are very different. Buddhism has multiple branches, is very active in India and China especially, and focuses on the human being, his place in the universe and in life. There is often a mission to escape the infinite cycle of reincarnation, samsara. Shinto focuses on nature, and humans have a place in it, but it's not central. Millions of spirits, deities that we call kami, inhabit Japan and the world. These gods often pick their homes from the most spectacular elements of nature, such as mountains or thousand-year-old trees. The more exceptional the house, the more powerful the kami is. For example, it can be the two neighbor rocks of Meotoniwa plunged into the ocean side by side, or a weirdly twisted old tree stump. If we suspect that a kami may have chosen their home in such an exceptional place, we will hang a rice belt decorated with lightning papers called the Shimenawa, and then we'll worship the kami, perhaps with offerings, or by building a shrine for them. If we're lucky, and if the kami is nice, Maybe they'll grant some wishes or protect the district. Usually, the Japanese people have a hard time answering the typical question, Are you religious? Yes, of course they are, but also not really, not by all Western definition of it. They go every month, sometimes every week, to the shrine in their neighborhood, they celebrate a graduation, a birth, a wedding, or the new year. That is indeed a religious ritual. But how can we prove any kind of religious belonging by which the official label of belief can be given? The concept of conversion in Shinto does not exist. No baptism or catechism, no fifth pillar, the pilgrimage to Mecca, no Hindu bindi between the eyebrows, or Jewish kippah. So Shinto is a unique and aboriginal religion, quite difficult to define with all Western terms. And here are a few more of the specificities. There is a concept of hell and paradise, for example, but it has a different use. In Shinto, it would be places for deities and their adventures, unrelated to the punishment or reward of humans. Besides, Shinto deities are not here to observe and judge mortals. 
Japanese people believe that kami are living in a plane of existence parallel to their own, invisible to most mortals. The kami do not judge humans, since they are quite similar to them. They are moody and emotional deities. One day they may play tricks on humans and get in their ways, just to annoy them. The next day, after receiving an offering of a good sake, they will be in a better mood and choose to help the visitor. For example, Amaterasu, the sun goddess who is vital to the land, plunged Japan into darkness after a fight with her brother Susano. The kami are imperfect, in turn kind or mean, irritated, sometimes drunk, sometimes stubborn, sometimes generous. A very different concept from more perfect and omnipresent gods. Another specificity of Shinto is that humans can also be kami. After all, the imperial family itself is coming from the goddess Amaterasu. The best sumo fighters too are given the famous Shimenawa belts. The problematic Yasukuni shrine is honoring war victims, including criminals, who are strongly condemned by the international community. Shinto is an oral religion, and the actions speak louder than the words. You have to make noise, to clap your hands, to organize traditional dances and music, to shake big bells. Everything is good to attract the attention of the kami from their invisible parallel universe. Like all the aboriginal religions still known, the mainly oral transmission of beliefs causes the practices to vary greatly from one place to another. One thing is sure, nationwide, Women as well as men can become Shinto priestesses, provided they follow the correct training. In reality, the biggest shrines still have few priestesses. In the countryside, though, many shrines have been passed down for the generations, and it can happen that the daughter of the family will become the priestess, inheriting the management of the place where she grew up. A central place is given to the Miko, the young woman dressed in white and red kimono, who take care of the shrines and organize it, take bookings, do traditional dances, run the stores, or open and close the place. In English, their role has been translated as maiden, which has a meaning of virgin, but this description does not appear in the Japanese term miko. Nowadays, miko often have to stay away from some tourists who find their appearance and attire fascinating enough to ask for pictures. I'm not sure we would ask a sister to take a selfie or ask for her phone number, and yet, a miko also has religious functions. Shinto does have some misogyny, though. The central concept of the religion is the idea of being pure, as opposed to be tainted. Many tools and rituals in Shinto are used to purify a human being or an object, like the water at the entrance in the stone basins, or the small amounts of salt in the stores, the sakaki, a tree branch used in the ceremonies to purify the guests. The pollution of the outside world prevents communication with the kami. This dirtiness is difficult to define. It can be bad energies, bad feelings, demons that are too close to humans, but also something that Shinto does not want to deal with. Death. And with it, blood. I think you can tell where this story is going. Women and people who have their periods, inevitably, it won't be a good match for a religion that wants to stay away from blood. Because of the fear of blood, the sumo ring, a sport closely linked to Shinto, is still forbidden to women. 
So much so that in 2018, when a mayor collapsed on the fighting field, two women from the medical profession were being told over the loudspeaker to leave the scene and immediately stopped trying to save the man's life. The segregation of women due to the periods seems to be quite recent. We see in the Edo period the influence of Indian Buddhism on Japan with the caste system of the samurai time. Butchers and funeral services associated with death and therefore with blood were at the bottom of the social system. We often forget that these castes, the Burakumin, still exist in Japan, gathering about 3 million people who still suffer from the discrimination associated to their ancestors. Finding sources in the 17th and 18th centuries is not easy. Testimonies of an ancient time which did not record everything in writing is a challenge. Historical written texts are all the more valuable because difficult to find. Shinto does not have a sacred text dictating rules to mortals. In nowadays religions, we can find the sutras, the Quran, the Bible, the Torah, the Kalpasutra. Writings that must be studied with dedication. No similar text with a study purpose in Shinto. But there are a few writings where a history of capital H meets myths and legends. It is difficult to know exactly when Shinto began, but one of its oldest written testimonies is called the Kojiki. It does not dictate how to be a Shintoist, but its accounts are a treasure of valuable information for understanding the ancestral religion. In the 7th and 8th centuries, the Kojiki provides evidence that women were considered powerful and in charge. In fact, the Kojiki itself was ordered by the Empress Genmei, who was in power at the time. And speaking of matriarchs, later in history, two other empresses succeeded each other, which is surprising when we know that today a woman cannot be on the imperial throne. The Kojiki is completed in 712, following an order of the imperial court and the Empress Genmei. The book tells us about the legends and adventures of the ancestors of the island, mixing sovereigns and peasants with demons and deities. And this is indeed one of the definitions of Shinto, the mixtures of humans and gods. The legends mixed with historical facts of the Kojiki is to prove the divine descent of the imperial family, still celebrated today. Studying the Kojiki can be controversial, during the last three centuries, it was a nationalist and colonialist tool to justify the superiority of the Japanese nation and its legitimacy to invade other countries. And like all ancient narratives, many of its stories involve incest, colonialist warfare against the country First Nations, and of course, sexism. But the Kojiki also tells us about amazing women, warriors, goddesses or spirits. Today, the Kojiki is coming back to the only use it should have, a testimony of the past of Japan, its culture and traditions, its ancestral language. Reading the Kojiki is not easy. The language is old, quite different from the current Japanese we know. Many have tried to translate it in Japanese, English or French, but the most current version is of Gustav Held in 2014. This is the book I recommend to start studying the Kojiki, because of the fun translations from the author of the very long names of the deities. At the genesis of the Kojiki is the creation of Japan. The most famous deities for this mission are Izanami and Izanagi, 
but we will come back to them later. Before them appeared three deities with very long and painful names. Amenomi Nakanushi, Takami Musuhi, Kami Musuhi. These three deities and the others following are interesting to study because their names are gender-neutral. There is no indication of male or female in the names, even if some translators have decided arbitrarily to gender them. Gustav Held thinks that there are non-binary deities. More precisely, he thinks that the kami who appear later and who have genders come in pairs, male and female. But these first deities come alone, and therefore have no gender. A pioneer in our movement, the Kojiki. These deities are not special cases, since the kami inari is often represented as a woman, but also sometimes as a man, or even a fox, depending on the regions and the shrines visited. In the end, what's important is that Inari protects the crops and helps with fertility, not the gender. It does not help the translators that the Japanese language doesn't like to gender its grammar, and some French people simply decided to give a gender to the kami according to the nature they were associated with. And a gender kami in the Japanese text, associated with a river, for example, became a goddess in some French translations, because river is grammatically female. Following the non-gendered deities, finally come the first active protagonists of the Kojiki, Izanami and Izanagi, who received the mission from their ancestors to create Japan. Del Vesuvius pair plunged into the ocean, and the motion created brings salt to the surface of the water, creating the Japanese islands. This is the first thing that fascinated me with the Kojiki, the equal creation of land by a man, Izanagi, and a woman, Izanami. There is no sign, for the time being, of sin done by the woman. To my utter disappointment, but also my sardonic amusement, the following pages proved me wrong. The two deities had some difficulties to create life on the island. The first kami to be born were incomplete and exiled from Japan. The first child had no arms or legs, the second was made of siphon. When the two kami asked their ancestors for help, they explained that Izanami, the woman, had spoken before the man and caused the failure of procreation. Izanami and Izanagi are brother and sister, but that's not mentioned. When they try again, this time Izanami is careful to speak after her brother, um, her husband, and finally the first generation of deities is born in Japan. Izanami died while giving birth to one of the deities and went to the underworld of Kojiki, which was not a punishment, but simply the place of the dead. Izanagi decided to go and look for her, but he was too impatient, which caused Izanami to chase after him on the land, full of vengeance. They finally declared themselves divorced, and agreed. Izanami the woman would take care of the dead of the earth, and Izanagi the man would populate Japan with new life. We can't speak about Kami without bringing up Amaterasu, the goddess of the sun and the sky. Her representative on earth is Yamato Hime, the most important priestess of the time. Amaterasu has two brothers, Susano, the god of the storm and the seas, and Tsukuyomi, the god of the moon and the night. She decided to punish Tsukuyomi for killing a woman, and the exile of the god created the division between day and night. Amaterasu armed herself with her bow and 1,500 arrows in her quiver to confront her other brother, Susano, 
when he ravaged the earth with his storms and calamities. This is the story of their battles. It all began when Susano decided to rebel against their father's decision to banish him from the sea, which the god had refused to rule. He pleaded his case to his sister, and in the good tradition of Kojiki, to convince her of his goodwill, he proposed to create a new generation of kami. Amaterasu and Susano traded sacred objects, which created the new kami. Amaterasu gave her brother the three female goddesses and kept the five gods born with her. Susano argued that the women were weak and destroyed her sister's kingdom by, and I quote, scattering poop in Amaterasu's great harvest hall. She stayed calm and decided to excuse her brother, who likely had a little too much to drink. Susano not calming down, Amaterasu got scared and went to lock herself in a cave. Here I should mention that other versions of this legend tell that she's sulking and hysterical with anger against her brother. That is not the version of the Kojiki. Once in her cave, blocked by a rock, Japan was deprived of Amaterasu and, with her, the sun. Calamities began to destroy the world. The other gods got together and found a way to lure her out of the cave by making another goddess dance. Amaterasu, curious of the noise of the crowd, left her cave, bringing back light into the world. She exiled her brother Susano to Earth, and the Kojiki continues with the legends. Once exiled, when Susano presents himself to the mortals to find a wife, he will not give his name. He'll say instead that he is the brother of Amaterasu, in order to gain admiration. Through the Kojiki, Amaterasu is a guide for the warriors who need advice. She sends her children to govern Japan, she gives the missions to slay ferocious and legendary beasts. And the chapter about the King Ojin is the legend of the Princess Akaru. In the swamps of Agu, a man met a woman sleeping in broad daylight. He was intrigued by the scene of the sun that lit up, and the text says, like a rainbow, the woman's private part. When she awoke, she gave birth to a red jewel, which the man asked for and obtained, to later use as a bargaining chip with the local prince. The prince, having acquired the red gem, placed it next to his bed to sleep, and immediately it transformed into a beautiful woman, Akaru, and he married her. Legend has it that she was a wonderful cook for many years, until the prince got tired of her and started to neglect her. Akaru then declared that she was not the right wife for him, stole a boat, escaped her husband, and became the deity of the Goso Shrine at the now-disappeared port of Naniwa. In this short legend, Akaru is an independent woman who decides to leave her ungrateful husband to become a goddess, and she was transformed from a red gem that came out of a woman's vagina. The text does not mention any specific vocabulary for menstruation, but the image is there. Queen Jingu was ordered by Amaterasu to invade the land of Korea. She built a whole fleet and assembled an army, and her legend is such that all sea life joined her trip, guiding her ships and calming the storms. Her power and beauty captivated the people of Korea, who immediately offered their country and their obedience by pledging offerings every year for the queen. Jingu planted her royal staff in the newly conquered land, left her rulers there, settled peace and returned to her own kingdom. 
all of this, pregnant, with the future King Ojin. The sovereign Okuninushi was the poor victim of his 80 jealous brothers. He got killed by plots on multiple occasions, and saved by women more often than not. He is rescued and resurrected by his mother, who opens a tree in two to reach him, and then by two warrior goddesses sent by Amaterasu. The father of his future wife, Suseri Bime, also decided to get rid of the sovereign, first by making him sleep with snakes. Suseri saved him by giving him a sacred scarf, which protected him. Same story with centipedes and with wasps. Okuninushi is saved by his wife and her scarf. Then let's talk about Empress Genmei, daughter of the Emperor Tenji, the 43rd to rule Japan but already the fourth woman on the imperial throne. She replaced her deceased son until the next male heir was old enough to rule. She was the woman who discovered during her reign from 707 to 715 that her kingdom was rich in copper, which gave her area the name of Wado Yamato. Genmei moved the capital from Fujiwara to Heijo. She is mainly responsible for the writing of the Kojiki after her uncle, and created the first Japanese currency to her name. It is said that in 714, she had the brilliant idea of tax exemption for life, for two men who helped with house chores. She gave up the throne to her daughter Gensho, which is the first and only succession of the throne from a woman to another. These are just a few examples among the many stories of female goddesses and warriors in the Kojiki. The evidence of sexism is, of course, very much here, to a certain point quite similar to the Greek mythology. The Kojiki is indeed a collection of stories about deception, murder, revenge and conquest. Misogyny is in its pages, with women rejected from a marriage because judged too ugly, or punished for being raped. There are many women described as jealous, perfidious, vain, and venal. One of them is even transformed into a comb by a possessive god. Of course Shinto is far from being a feminist religion, but its roots in the Kojiki leave us wondering about an ancient society that could have been matriarchal. Oh, by the way, the last writer to close the Kojiki? Empress Suiko, of course. That was Feminist in Tokyo. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find all the information on our Instagram page, 